0: Hi, my name is Seal, and I'm your host for the SweatNet Be Amazing Podcast, where we share stories of amazing women who live in our communities. My hope is that you will feel encouraged and inspired after listening to each episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the Be Amazing Podcast. I'm your host, Seal, and today my guest is Amy Peacock. Amy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I am too. And we recently just met because we are co-leads along with Woodson, Bradley, who is our other co-lead for uh, Healthy Charlotte Coalition, which is underneath the American Heart Association. And it's going to be so much fun. Like we've already started doing some things together. But I'm just so excited to have met you. And of course, I had to have you on the podcast because there's so much about you that I wanted to to get to know but also to share. So before we jump into, like, all the fun stuff. I really want you just to share a little bit about who you are.
1: Oh, okay. Well, first of all, let me say I'm so excited to work be working with you on this Active Living Committee, uh, and we're gonna have fun times for everybody. Um, let's see. Well, I'm originally I live in Charlotte right now. I've been here since 2003. I'm from right outside of Washington, D.C. I actually grew up right near right next to the CIA in McLean, Virginia, which was always interesting and. Um, I ended up going to University of Georgia, where I met my husband, who was a Charlotte native, and uh, we ended up getting married. And then in 2003, we moved back to Charlotte. So um, I have two children, we have two children, we have a son, who's uh, 19. He's actually on his way home today, and (laughs) from school for spring break, um, college, and then our daughter is a senior in high school. So. Should I go on?
0: Yeah. Like anything that you want to say? Like, I mean, anything about your, you know, what are your hobbies or your interests or other things about you? Anything interesting. And living next to the CIA definitely was interesting Like growing up. That had to be crazy. I'm sure you've got stories.
1: Yeah. I mean, there there was a farm right around the CIA called Clodmore Colonial Farm. And one day I was looking out back and we had all these wild pigs in our backyard. (laughs) That escaped. And then one day, um, I woke up getting ready for school, and I heard all these helicopters around. And Amy Carter was doing some kind of protest at the CIA. and um, uh, then there was another thing where there was a a terrorist that came. Um, so it was it was pretty wild. Um but that's just Washington. You know, all that kind of stuff goes on. But um anyway, So, uh, yeah, I very happy to be, uh, what I, I mean, I'm, you know, in my early fifties now and I've been through a lot. Um, when I got out of college, I did a couple things. I thought I wanted to be in the advertising world, When I really, um, it took me a few steps to figure out what I really wanted to do, but I landed an internet startup business, which back in the day when the internet was starting up, it was like, I was doing database (laughs) personalized marketing which is like was so new back then but everybody does that now and it what was so neat about it is everyone wanted to work together so it wasn't like oh we're going to call on the phone you know we didn't really have zoom back then but it was oh we're going to get on a plane and we're going to go seal a deal and we're going to you know bring lawyers and the tech tech guys and everybody's going to work together so we can integrate to move you know the internet forward and online businesses forward, bricks and mortar who had gone online. So that was really fun. Um, But during that time, my dad had died while I was in college which um, I was sophomore year, he ended up um, getting cancer and he uh, died within 16 months. It was pretty tragic for me and my family. Um, But then fast forward eight years later, my mom got ALS which is Lou Gehrig's disease, which is, um, I don't, do you know what ALS is?
0: I know a little bit about it just because I've heard, you know, I've heard it mentioned. Um, I haven't personally experienced any, you oh. know, have anybody in my life that has it, but I am familiar with it, but I'd love for you to kind of explain a little bit more. Cause people do hear that term.
1: Yes, yeah, So kind of I lost out a lot. I was working at the, in the start of, in the British business called Incentives and, uh, working really hard. And, um, mom was, you know, a widow. So she was, when my dad died, she was 50, 51. And uh, she had kind of, I mean, she was biking. She was doing her real estate. She was in a great position, but all of a sudden she started slowing down and couldn't keep up with her bikers and um, fell a couple of times. And long story short, she ended up getting ALS, which is um, a disease which attacks your motor neurons. So when your brain sends a signal to for the muscle to do something. Like, you know, we're fitness people to lift a weight or pick up anything, pick up even a cup of coffee, the uh, motor neurons in ALS patients die. So the brain is firing off these signals, but the muscles aren't getting the action or the the um, information to um, move. So you become at- atrophy and you par- get paralyzed and everything becomes paralyzed. You can't, in the end, you can't even um, talk. Um, or use your hands. And in mom's case, and most patients towards the end of their diagnosis, they can only communicate with their eyes. So that's how we had to communicate with mom, which was crazy. Um, But, you know, it gave me a really heart, a heart that I would not have had had I not experienced ALS for people who are disabled, you know, the little things like having doors wide enough to, in a in a business for a wheelchair to get through. I mean, I would I was like on my knees going, "Thank you!" Or a you know a bathroom that you can get a wheelchair in that is accessible, or or just someone open the kindness of strangers. You know, the littlest things that people could do to make our lives easier um, really just put me in awe. So, long story short. I had to leave my job because it, I ultimately I couldn't do both. Well, and mom, your mom, your parents are, you know, your family is more important um, in my view. So anyway, I um, uh, ended up moving to Charlotte. Mom was still um, had her ALS and she was in Virginia and um, we had one little boy, a baby, and then um, I was pregnant again. And um, um my mom actually died during this time. When I had our daughter, I flew up to see her in Washington when our daughter was two weeks old and um, you know to be with mom. And so mom could meet our little Avery, um, which was great. Put her on her chest and... Anyway, so um, after losing both parents, I just felt like, A, I'm not sure I wanna go back to the corporate world as much as I love that kind of chasing and slaying the dragon and all that. Um, and I really was passionate about, obviously, after losing my parents, so young, health and longevity, health, fitness, and longevity. So I decided to you know, stay home with the kids and um, have a more flexible job and you know, get into the fitness business. And so that's where I've been ever since then. so
0: well, so and going back to that, because this this really you know opens up for even more questions um, about where you are in fitness, but Have you always, were you active prior to that? Were you active growing up or, or this really, it really, because it sounds like this, the really turning point for you and to go into fitness was because of what you experienced with your family and your parents.
1: Well, I think I was always growing up, you know, I was always riding my bike. I was playing soccer. I played soccer at um, Georgia. Uh, It was a club team. We were, we were great. And so right after I left, they went pro, (laughs) And, uh, but I loved working out, you know, going to the gym with friends and riding the bike. You know, I never did strength training back then because I didn't even know to do it. But, um, uh, so I've always been active. And then when I came home from college, you know I started walking and I'm like, you know kind of to deal with the kind of therapy you know, thinking about my dad and and I'm like this takes too long. So I started running, (laughs) haven't stopped. But, um, then I started running five K's and then, uh, I did a marathon and then a couple half marathons. And then, you know, so I've always been active. My parents were active. I think, you know, I was talking about this the other day with my husband and some other people that if your parents are active, I think you're more likely to be active or have an interest in athletics. Uh, so yeah, I've always been, I've always had a passion for, for fitness and, um, and I began strength training really in about 2000 when there was this big um, body for life challenge. And that's when I started to use weights for the first time. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and then, then I just decided, you know, what can I do? I stay home with these little kids, babies, and fulfill something that I'm passionate about. So that's how I decided to, you know, get certified and all that um, to teach fitness.
0: Well, all I know is that just hearing your experience and what you've been through with losing both parents and being a mom and, uh, you know, maintaining, just to be able to maintain mental health and physical health. I know that there were challenges that came with that experience, you know, and you said you would walk and then you started to run. Do you really feel like that's what's really helped you through the grieving process, and really to find uh, inner inner strength? Because that had to have been uh, really difficult.
1: Absolutely, I think what happened, and you know, I feel like I could write a book on this, but who wants to read a book about grief or healing from grief, right? But um, uh, I decided I made a mental decision when my dad died. You know, I had to get out of college. You know, I had to move on with my life. So I mentally decided I am going to put this in a little box, the, the grief, and put it up in my closet and not not deal with it because I didn't have time to deal with it. So basically, I ran away from that dealing with grief. You have to deal with grief. So I ran away with it or from it. And then the grief monster. And then uh, mom got ALS. So I had not grieved over losing my dad, which was incredibly painful. And then mom got ALS and after she died you know it was like double and then I was like I've got to do something and I just kind of shut down so here I had this it wasn't I had a um, our kids are 16 months apart you know I had them and I had to just I just shut down I was like I, I need to see someone and so um, my doctor referred me to Uh, my doctor thought I was too like much of a blur. I was too running away from everything. so she referred me to this nurse who was specialized in grief therapy. And I sat down with her, you know, real nervous. I'm like, okay, how can I get through these stages of grief fast? You know?
0: (laughs) What's the list? What's the checklist? So you just check it off as we go.
1: I got to move on. And um, she basically said, you know, who do you have? She said um, three things that, you know, do you have um, a mentor or someone you can talk to? And I'm like, no, I'm new to Charlotte. That's what I'm talking to. You You know, I, and then I didn't really talk to anybody about this. Um, And so I said, not really. And she said, well, what do you love to do? And I said, well, i love to run. And she said, well, have you been running? And I said, no. You know, because I have these little kids. I, at the time, I didn't have a double stroller, and uh, she said, um, "You have a community you can rely on." And I said, mm, "Kind of. I mean, again, I'm new to Charlotte. I have some friends, but it's just, um, it's, you know." So the one thing I did do was get back to running, and my friend um, Molly Barker, who started Girls on the Run, had this old double stroller, <laughs> literally, that <laughs> <laughs> she left on my front porch. And oh my God, that saved me. I mean, I would put the kids in the double stroller and just run all the time. And um, and that that was pretty life-changing. Um, but it was really what the biggest thing she told me that I've told other people is that there's no timetable on grief. You can't check it off Um, but you do have to deal with it somehow. And so I'm not like, um, I I don't want this to be like all about grief, but it's how you get through it. You can't run away from it. You've got to, um, if you imagine it, like you got to fight back. um, I think versus.
0: Yeah. I think this is important conversation. I think this is things that aren't talked about that are just people assume or, You know, I think this podcast is going to be really important because to me, this leads us into the next part of the conversation, which is you founded FIA, which is Females in Action. This is a community that you built. So to me, that is what's come out of all of the grief and all of the things that you experienced. Because just when you said the three things that she listed, and it's like the third thing on your list was community. So tell us a little bit about females or is it Females
1: in Action? Did I say that right? Yeah, females in Action. Fia. Okay. Well, um, to back up. So remember I told you we I did this Body for Life Challenge. Yeah. Bill you know Phillips. You know him. You're a, or you know of him. I yes. Think. He started um, all these fitness competitions and bodybuilding. And anyway, I, he started something called the Transformation Camp right around, uh, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago or more than 10, but um, well, Fia's 10. So so it would be 12 or 13 years ago. And I thought I, so I'm like, oh my God, I've got to go out and learn about this transformation because I could do it as a trainer. I could create transformation groups here. And so I go out there and I realized it was less about the workout. So every day we would do a workout and strength and cardio. And then we'd circle up and sit in chairs and talk and everybody had to go around and share what was on their mind. And from corporate executives to uh, this young guy, you know, teen, to me, it's just everybody, I realized everybody has got something there that hurts about them. And unless they can address that hurt, it's really hard to change. Whether it's, you know, to get fit or happy or or have more joy if they're still struggling every day with that stuff um, and they're struggling alone, they're never gonna get better. So I realized there the power of community. And then I read um, the book, uh, The Daniel Daniel Plan. Um, it's all, and about, that's a, you know, book about over, that you can do over Lent and about getting fit, but anyway, um Rick Warren, talked about what he realized the success, the key to the people actually losing the weight and and taking on the challenge and being healthier was community. That was the game changer. So that was kind of filling up in my mind. And then, you know f three started in Charlotte in uh, two thousand eleven. And my husband had been working out with this other group, and he joined the guys who had started f three. And man, he would come home from the workouts so happy. I was like, he's already kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. But man, he was like, honey, what do you need me to do? I'll take the kids out in the minivan. I'll go shopping. I'll do anything. (laughs) And and then they started um, having more days. They worked out together and then they would do um, trips together. And it just got crazy. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And I... I I trained women mostly. I would do group fitness with men and women, but the women that I trained, I knew they needed it. Needed something like, again, community. We all can use community. The guys could, had great community, and I thought, well, there must be a need for that for women too. So that's when I um, went ahead and, you know, I've been talking about it with my husband, and I finally I'm like, I got to talk to Dread and OBT, Dave and Tim, who founded F3 um about if they want to start a women's group and um so I met with them over coffee and they definitely had no interest in interest in starting a women's group (laughs) even though they have daughters they thought um women didn't need it so um they basically said if you want to give it a try you can you know it's fine well you can do it Um, so I uh took that as a blessing and went forward with that So um, we started in Charlotte with just, uh, we basically sent out a letter to my friends, some of the people I trained, and, um, uh, you know, no that we would meet at 5.15 in the morning and do a workout outside. And that was hard to convince people to do. But we decided to do it early because the guys, um, we had to get back before the guys, it's long story, but. So we meet at 5.15 and the first day it was so cool because it was so dark and misty and there was no traffic and you were like the only people out there and it's the coolest feeling and uh, two other women met with me. Our husband, my husband uh, was with us for this first workout because he wanted us to try to do an F3 style and cadence (laughs) flag, and all that, Um, even though I was a trainer, you know, I let (laughs) you know but um yeah and so there was another girl jazz dillard um who joined me firecracker and then um another girl and then slowly we began to grow more and more girls would come to the workouts and then the workout locations grew um and then we offer multiple workouts a day or, or a morning and um and then it now it's grown and then we had um uh, people from Fort Mill come up, steal. I mean, they would come up, drive up, they probably got up at, you know, four to drive to Charlotte, wow. and then um, Mountain Island Lake, and then we just started growing and growing and growing, and now we're in over 23 states, and we just launched in the UK.
0: That's amazing. And we're That's
1: celebrating amazing. our year.
0: Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's huge.
1: Well, it's been a team effort. I mean, it's definitely, as you know about the stuff, it, you can't do it alone, and um, and but it, the cool thing about it is how it's it's because we're peer-led, you know, I don't lead the workouts. Trainers don't you might be a trainer leading a workout, but it's peer- led. So you help women learn to lead who may be uncomfortable leading, you know, saying, time to do jumping jacks or push-ups or burpees, you know, um, and leading. So that's been really cool.
0: That's awesome. Is there, do you have like, is there a story of maybe somebody that's been in part of the community or somebody that has shared something with you of what that community has done for them that has inspired you to keep going?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, I think as any FIA will tell you that if you get up, you never regret getting up and working out with FIA because in 45 minutes, you get your fitness, your little fellowship and friendship, you know, which is all so important in uh, for our health. And the stories that the women have, I know um, I didn't personally deal with this, but there are some women that had um, serious postpartum after they had children and really struggled with that. And their doctors uh, said, you know, you need to find some, find a community. Do you have any friends you can talk or be with? Um, And Fia has changed their lives. Um, I think the younger girls, Uh, you know they're all working and they've had the they've particularly if you're new to Charlotte this is a network of women that you of all ages that you all of a sudden know and can meet out for beers or um, some girls do bible study book clubs um, they train for races um, you know but we've like today I worked out with women from their 30s all the way to their 60s um, some days it's the tw- 20s and I'm usually oldest, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I but, think it's amazing. Um, I think the fact that, you know, that's I think that's the thing people miss when it comes to community that they have like this, they don't realize maybe the power of the network they're building just by going and being part of that. Because you do like I know for me, any community effort when it comes to like what we're doing with Healthy Charlotte or Uh, I've worked with other, you know, nonprofit organizations or been involved in the community somehow, that's become such a network because you cross paths with people that you would never have crossed paths with with otherwise. And it opens up like so many more
1: opportunities. It's It's like, um, you know, the fact that people are working out together that wouldn't know each other or wouldn't even be in the same zip code. You know, we're now working out together. So it's, you know, your it doesn't matter of your background, your color, your income, your, your fitness level, you know, all these people come together and, and we, we get to know each other, which is really cool. And we do help each other. Like if, um, uh, one FIA, for example, wants to change, uh, careers. And so we're all, you know, thinking about our network and how we can help her find a job and, uh, you know. That
0: sort of thing. Yeah, I just, I love that. I love that it, you know, it's not just about working out. And I think that's a big thing. And I think as people, as humans, we were meant to have community. We're meant to, you know, be in places that and surrounded by others that can help, you know, lift each other up. And especially when there's hard places, like you need people to lean into. Mm -hmm. And one person cannot meet the needs meet all of your needs. You know, a lot of times people will pull back and be like, well, I have, I have my person and that's all I need. That's not true because they can't supply everything that you need. We're, you know, you need a group of people. There's reason in that and there's purpose in it. And it's a beautiful thing when you connect and collaborate and, uh, and that's what drives me. So that's where I think we, it was so fun to meet you first of all, cause I have been researching Um, (laughs) I've been researching Fia for a long time for, I told you like about a year and a half and then come to find out I was going to end up working with you. And, and like, again, in a community atmosphere and I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? I'm going to get to work with her. Like, I'm so excited. So I, that's why we had to, like, I really wanted you to share about that. And along those lines, do you have like, so if somebody's looking to like start their own community, wherever they are, regardless of what it is. Do you have two or three tips you would offer somebody that might be, um, you know, thinking about starting something similar?
1: Right. Well, I I think yeah. I always say join a community, and if you can't find one, start one. So if you're you have an interest in, um, I don't know, uh, a pickleball or strength training, you know, or seniors or whatever, um, dining or not dining, but having you know, suppers, supper clubs. know you just need to start small smart start with one or two people and then you know grow from there but but the key is the key of everything is just starting so if you uh think like like for me the key for me was meeting with dread and OBT and and putting that line in the sand and saying this is this needs to happen and but if I had always just thought about it and not done anything, or I want to join this community, or I want to start something and never do it. That's what holds people back. You've got to just do it and start with one person, call one person. And if you don't have a person to call, reach out to your church, you know, if, or, you know, you can reach out to, um, uh, Charlotte, um, social services. I mean, there all sorts of people are here to help. Um, but I think, you, you can share what you're interested. And if you have a network on social media, you can also put out a post saying, Hey, I'm thinking of starting this. Who wants to join me private message me, you know, but, but just starting. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think you've carried that even like a step further because, you know, here you've done all of this in the community. I know you've done a lot of other things and I I really, I want to save some of that for another podcast, but what I want to talk about right now is, uh, you have taken this step out and written a book. Like that's a big deal. So I want to talk about that. what 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 inspired your book? Like, what is it about? <laughs> and like and what it took for you to actually write it? Like that's a talk about starting something. that's a that's a big undertaking to start and to finish
1: right. Well, I am an activator. <laughs> I've d- had my strengths done. Um, that's something I'd love to do is, is start things up. And this book, uh, the book I wrote actually with my co author, Don Brown, is called Old Re General. And it is about my grandfather who uh, wrote something in the Marine Corps called My Rifle, The Creed of the United States Marine, also known as the Rifleman's Creed, that Marines have recited. And I learned the Army too for many years, I mean, since 1942. Um, and it's been in movies and in you know videos and that sort of thing. Uh, so he also led the Marines in the Pacific during World War II, which you know the Marines were the would go to the islands where the Japanese were and um, meet the Japanese um, in these embedded islands. But he died in 1945, and his story was has never been told. So he's got this fascinating story. He lost his first family to scarlet fever in China while he was stationed in China. Um, And they, he remarried and had my, he remarried um, my grandmother Sleepy and had my father um, in 1939. But when, long story short, when both our parents died, we were sitting around the kitchen table with my sisters. I have two older sisters, four and five years older than me, and we're like, all of a sudden, we're the adults in the room, and we're pretty fairly young because you know my parents died young. And we're like, what are we gonna do with all this stuff? Because we have actually in my house, and I have most of the stuff now because I was writing a book. But trunkloads of uh, photos and uh, telegrams from uh, just for an example from Eleanor Roosevelt and uh, MacArthur, General MacArthur, and um, you name it. We have all this stuff with pictures and albums and. All that have been carried around since my grandfather died in 1945 of a heart attack in Washington D.C. So we all agreed that we thought it would be like an amazing movie or Netflix. Well, we didn't have Netflix back then, but you know, um, it would be something really important because it was so fascinating and exotic. And they, he had been in Haiti and China twice, Peking and Shanghai, and then in the Pacific and you know during World War II. And anyway. We had to go back to our lives, and we decided it would be cool to do something with this, but we never did it. And it wasn't until 2016 when another author, this lawyer in Charlotte, Don Brown, um, reached out to me on Facebook and sent me a picture of my grandfather and my grandmother and these people in black tie that was taken in Shanghai, China, in 1937. And he's like, "Is this your grandfather?" <laughs> it's like, because he was re- researching a story about a World War II aviator. Uh, Captain Jerry Yellen, and anyway, he's like, "Oh my God, you need to write a story about him." There's no, there's, he's never had a story written about him. This guy did all these things, and so I, I met Don for lunch, and I'm like, "You know, Don, you're an author, you're former Navy JAG officer, practicing lawyer. Why don't you write the story?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no. You know, you you need to write it. You're your grand, he's your grandfather, and." So, I started basically realizing how important it is to get our people's story down. You know, not everybody is a Marine Corps major general that, you know, led the Marines in the Pacific, but every story contributes to the database of history. So, now if I had not written his story, his story and what he witnessed and experienced would not be in, in there would be a little blip in that database. So what I did is I got his service record digitized from the National Archives. So we had a 700-page file, got that taken care of, got his record from the Marine Corps. And then I read a ton of other oral histories or listened to them of men that served with him in the military. Um, I got my sisters involved. Uh, my sister Kimberly, she had some extra time and she did some re- extra research at the archives and put everything up on Dropbox so I could easily access it when I'm writing. So, I would literally I took this like I went all in. I mean, <laughs> it was awful. Like you know, and writers, if you do this, you 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 end up staying in your house a lot and becoming kind of an introvert because you want to get the story down. And for me, I had no writer's block because there was so much content. And uh, I just, you know, and I became so motivated every time I wanted to quit, I was thinking about these Marines who would land on these islands with the Japanese firing at them. I'm like, I can't quit. I gotta keep going. So I mean, I would work all day and the kids would be like, are you gonna make dinner? <laughs> anyway, so I I had a developmental editor. I worked over it for six years. It was a huge story. And I had a developmental editor who's a female Marine, former Marine officer, and um she helped me with it. She recommended I might want to partner with someone who's military, just because I'm writing a story as a civilian. And then I sent it to the Naval Institute Press, and they also said, you probably should partner with someone that's military. (laughs) The story needs to be told, you know, definitely. But that military piece was a little bit missing. So I went back to Don six years later and said, hey, Don, do you want to be my co-author on this? It's already written, but you want to, let's see where we need more military. And it was an awesome thing because he is Navy, so he has been on ships. He knows what it's like. And the, the the Navy brought the Marines to the Pacific. You know, they brought the Army to the Pacific. So the Navy's really important. And I've been so fascinated by the boots on the ground. <laughs> really thought about the guys that brought them there. So um, Don did an excellent job pulling in the Navy and and doing a little more. So what we decided to do is put a little more story in there and do more of a narrative, creative nonfiction. So based on, based on the letters we have between the generals or from MacArthur or from Eleanor Roosevelt, we can, in, in our grandfather's diary, we can develop dialogue that we know they probably said um, because and how they said it and how they communicated. And so um, that's, that's what the story uh, is about.
0: That's amazing. So, we, so fascinating. It was
1: published and um, it came out actually just yesterday. Today's the third. Just yesterday, we had our first, a year ago, we had our first book signing. Uh, wow. at wow. and, and then we went on a huge uh, book tour last year, all last year. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So where can we get the book? if we're Because I mean, I'm really fascinated by this. And is it audible or is it just Written. it
1: is It is not it's getting to be audible right now it's just um it's, it's everywhere online and in your local bookstores the i think parker books here in charlotte and barnes and noble um but it's you know available on amazon all those places And what's the name um, of the book again called old breed general and um i've got a website with a ton of stuff on it my personal website uh or author website i got, I started a Facebook page. I got, if you're ever starting a book, this was a great idea. Because this was such important history, I needed, I wanted to say, I'm writing this book. And is you know, would you join me? I may need your help identifying some of these, you know, older Marines and some of the history. And so I built this group, Facebook group. It's not huge, but it's, it's very, um, supportive. And I I just love the people I've met and the people I've connected through that group. So that was pretty, pretty cool. But it's been a great process. I just, um, I'm so happy I had the time to do it.
0: That's awesome. I just, I love the fact that you really just, you know, took it on, you dove in. And I think it sounds like just the more that you were able to like, uh, dive into the, the stories, like you probably learned a lot about your dad through that as well. Like, from finding out about his dad, like I just think there's that's so fascinating.
1: Well, but just you know, so my dad's father died when he was five years old. My dad was five, um, and then his mom died. Sleepy died when my dad was sixteen. So my dad wow. was had a rough time, but he was a great guy. Um, he went to the academy, flew for the Marine Corps, did um, two tours in Vietnam. He never talked about his parents. But my God, if I would have been able to give him this book or what was so fascinating is we found audio from 1942 and 1943 of our grandfather. And we found all these videos of him in the Pacific and in China that our dad never served, never saw. And he probably never, I mean, except when he was little he heard his dad's voice, but as an adult, if he could heard his father's voice, I mean, that would have been so cool. So um, we have that, uh, the general has a uh, YouTube page, YouTube channel.
0: That's so awesome. <laughs> out
1: all that stuff. Yeah. So, well,
0: I just, I think every, this says so much about you. Like I've gotten to know you a little bit already because we've had some fun uh, meetups and, and have had a lot of conversation already. But just to, you know, I knew that you starting... Fia was a big thing because anybody that launches out and actually starts something and it grows in the way it has. And then now you've written, you've written a book, you've authored a book that says a lot in the follow-through like the, the, the push through the, like you said, you said so much in that where it's like you get to that hard place, but you remember what other people went through and that's what forced you to keep going. I, uh, it just, it says a lot about your character and a, and a lot about of the the person that you are. So I just appreciate you. Just sharing all of this because there's like like you're talking about content. There's like so much just in this one podcast, and we've just like know, it's just so. the surface. We've we been dove into the depth of it. But I think that we yeah. want to
1: come.
0: But yeah. you know, before I, there's always I have these last questions I always ask, so I want to I'm gonna kind of kind of re gear us a little bit or switch gears a little bit and go to <laughs> what is a quote, a song, you know, is there something that personally inspires and motivates you daily that you lean into right now?
1: Well, um, there's a quote. So my dad would always give me all these quotes. And so everybody knows the man in the arena now because of Brene Brown. Um, you know, it's not the critic accounts, you know, all that. And then he gave me another quote and uh, on persistence. So, you know, this is, I guess I needed all this in my teens, but I, he could leave these little quotes for me on my desk um but this one I'd love in addition to um the man in the marina I just love that we um my dad had given me that this one you want me to read it yes okay this one is by Calvin Coolidge um you've probably heard it before but it says nothing in this world can take the place of persistence Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The the world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. So, and then this one by Michael Jordan. (laughs) I love it. Some people want it to happen. Some people wish it would happen. Others make it happen. Um, so, and then this one by Marcus Aurelius, when you rise in the morning, think of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love. So. I
0: love all of those and every single one. I mean, like just listening to that, anybody that's listening, that should just inspire you going into today, like whatever you've got ahead of you, or if you're at the end of your day, it should help get you prepared. Uh, going into the next day I'm the same way I like I, I, le- I have to lean into quotes and and look at you know the great things that people have done in life nobody did it without being faced with challenge and nobody did it without feeling like they wanted to quit at some point point. and it's just being able to you know um pull it together and you know have those moments um I even had a moment this morning where I was super frustrated and I just was feeling super discouraged. And, uh, and I even had like, I cried. I mean, I just be straight up and I pulled out my coloring book because that's how I Mm de-stress. And so I'm coloring and I'm just like, just remember, this is just a moment. Like you're going to get over, you'll get past it. Like take it, breathe through it. And then basically suck it back up. Let's go. Like, there's no time to just like wallow in it. Like, you know, we have, it's just, you said earlier, it's a decision. We have a decision every day. It's a decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has been tremendous conversation. And I know that anybody that's listening to that or that's going to be listening to it um, is going to be encouraged and inspired. And with that said, before I let you go, is there anything else on your heart that you feel like you want to share at this time?
1: Um, no, I just think, I think I was reaching, talking to someone or communicating this to someone the other day who is struggling. And um, I think right now, you know, communication, connection, and kindness are so important uh, for everybody. And I think I would just, you know, encourage us to communicate better, connect, and show uh, a lot of kindness. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you were on. And I can't wait to drop this episode. Where can somebody contact you or connect with you on social media?
1: Um, on Instagram, I'm just Amy Peacock at Amy Peacock QC. Um, I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> LinkedIn <laughs> Peacock. I've got a website, a virtual athlete, and um, uh, Amy Rupertus Peacock, my author site.
0: Okay, and I'll put all these links uh, for you all to like, so they can click on it and go visit her sites, get the book that's out there, be be part of FIA, maybe start FIA in your area if it's not at- in your area, like. I'm sure there's opportunity for that.
1: Yeah. So the FIA website is FIA Nation, F-I-A Nation. Love it. Yeah. Love all of it. Well, (laughs) thank you
0: so much. Thank you so much for being on.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me today. If you like the podcast, please like and share this with other women in your life. You can find out more about SweatNet on sweatnet.com or follow them on Instagram at sweatnet and sweat Charlotte. You can follow me personally on Instagram at smart. Stay tuned for the next episode of the SweatNet Be Amazing podcast.